I'm excited to be here today, not just because it's Sunday, but I get a chance to speak today um, and bring the Word of God. It's always exciting. It's always motivating to be able to be a, a voice piece for God. And uh, I want to take a moment before we even go to the Word to honor our pastor, Pastor Ed Garvin and Jody and Lauren. They're all in Europe uh, traveling this week. And it's a beautiful thing to know that Pastor can trust his team uh, to continue to do the good work of the Lord here in, and do ministry. So, Pastor, if you're watching, we miss you. We love you. Can't wait for you to get back. Can we give an applause and thank God for the gift of Pastor Garvin. We've been in this series of uh, the commandments, the Ten Commandments of, for families. And we've called this Family Matters. And we've gone through this series of speaking about each commandment. And we know that there's ten. And today I get a chance to speak on that and go a little bit deeper and speak about one commandment that I think we all struggle with. And it's coveting. And it's always tough to speak on the ten commandments because sometimes it sounds so, so condemning. Because the reality is no one here has been able to attempt and do all the commandments without failing. Right? Has anybody been able to do all the commandments and not fail? Because if you, if you have, you are an angel from heaven that have fallen into, into our midst, and we are just so honored that you're with us. <laughs> I think we all fail. We all mess up. But isn't it good to know that, that we have Jesus, and through his grace, he can forgive us and we can move forward. Amen. So, to, yeah, so today we want to go a little bit deeper and speak about that and and, and, and speak on what God has to say for us today. So I want to speak on the subject today, the secret to satisfaction. The secret to satisfaction. When I was growing up, there was a song that would say, uh, I, I can't get no. Y'all need Jesus. Y'all need Jesus. Come to the altar after the sermon. Hallelujah. I can't get no satisfaction. And when we look at the word of God, it tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, thou shalt not covet thou, thou neighbor's wife, thou neighbor's possessions, anything that belongs to our neighbor. It was something that was given to the Israelites. It was something that was a law to be established as government for every single one of them. But there's something that we can learn from that because to covet is simply to desire. It's to desire. It's to, to want something. But the key is to not desire your neighbor's possessions. And it's easy for every single one of us to sometimes live an unsatisfied life where we want what our neighbor has. We always hear the term of uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. But the reason it's green is because somebody's maintaining it. Or it's turf. <laughs> right? The moment you get it, it's the moment it starts to get brown. Right? Because at the end... We can sometimes look at what somebody else has and say, I want that. I want to have what she has. I want to have what he has. And when we do that, church, we are robbing ourselves of the destiny that God has established for us. And God wants you to embrace the destiny that he's given you. God wants you to embrace the purpose that he's given you. God wants you to embrace the purpose that he's given you. And you can only do that when you do not covet, but you can only take and grasp what God has already placed into your life. So as we go into that today, as we speak on how not to covet, it's important that we could understand this and use the backdrop of somebody that I admire so much in the word of God. 
There's many people that I look up to in the Word of God. One of them is Joseph. Another one is David. Another one is Daniel. But if we look into the New Testament, we see the one that wrote the most books in the New Testament, which is the Apostle Paul. And if we go to the book of Philippians, which we're going to read out of in just a bit, we're going to find ourselves with a Paul that is not living in the success of ministry. A Paul that's not living on, on the pinnacle and the mecca of what he's been able to establish. We're going to find ourselves with a Paul that's in prison. And while he's in prison and while he's in chains, the gospel is advancing. Let me say that again. While he's in chains, the gospel continues to advance. In fact, in chapter 1, it tells us that he's in chains. And it lets us know that he's in, on house arrest. And while he's on house arrest and while he's in chains, we see that the gospel continues to advance, which lets me know something, that you may be bound externally, but you may be free internally. And because you're free internally, so many more things can be done for Christ. I've gone to 33rd. I've gone to the juvenile detention center. I've seen prisoners and I've seen inmates say, I am more free in here than I was when I was out there. And many of us that are here and many of us that profess to have Christ in our life, sometimes we find ourselves more confined to what's going on in our life because we look at somebody else's praise or we look at somebody else's home and we look at somebody else's possessions and we say, I would be better if I had that. And God is saying, if you only knew what you carry inside, if you only knew the destiny you carry inside, if you only knew what I've deposited in you, you would live a life of freedom. It's Paul that the moment that the first deacon in the primitive church is being stoned, he's watching as it happens. It's Paul that then on his way to Damascus when his name was Saul is on his beast. He's riding on his way to persecute the church, but he has a personal encounter with Christ and ends up being blinded and then turning his passion to something that God would want. It is Paul that now starts advancing the church and going from city to city and going from place to place. And he's advancing and reaching the Gentiles with the gospel of grace while his counterparts are criticizing him, not knowing if his intentions are real. You see, he's going through great victories in life. He's going through the highs of life, but he's also experiencing the lows of life because those that should be accepting him are rejecting him. You ever been there? Well, while you're trying to do something right, the people that should be aligning with you sometimes don't align with you because they don't know what your true intentions are. But when you have a personal encounter with God, sometimes that personal encounter will cause you to be blinded to your way of seeing things so that you can then see it the way God sees it. It is Paul that then is imprisoned with his buddy Silas. And while he's in prison, they may have chained his legs. They may have chained his, his hands, but they did not chain his mouth. And while he's in prison, he begins to sing hymns. And as he sings, the Bible says that the prison doors began to shake. And all of a sudden, there was an earthquake. And all the prisoners and all of the prison doors were broken. And the chains were broken because they were able to praise while they were confined. I wonder what would happen in your life in your, if you're willing to praise God even though the money ain't right. I wonder what would happen if you were to praise God even though your marriage isn't right. I wonder what would happen if you praise God even though you feel confined physically but you are free in Christ internally. Come on church, give him praise in the house of God if God has done something in your life.
It is Paul that now in the end of his ministry, it's a frail Paul. It's an older Paul that's now in prison for the cause of Christ and is embracing his destiny. After being shipwrecked, after covering the marks of the gospel on his backside. I love that he says that. He says, I carry the marks of the gospel on my back, letting us know that he was whipped because he loved God. That he was beat because he loved God. Hallelujah, that kind of persecution will, will bring out the real Christians in America. Because we don't praise God because things are going right. Real Christianity happens when things are going bad and you're still able to praise and lift up your hands in the midst of the sanctuary, in the midst of your home, in the midst of your cubicle, in the midst of the things you're going through in life. It's in this prison now that he's writing letters to the church that he is most fond of. The church of Philippi, he writes this letter where he, he, he speaks his most intimate words because it was the church that remembered him. While all the other churches flourished and they continued forward, this church remembered Paul. And when they remembered him, they sent him offerings so that he could continue to sustain himself. And he writes to them an intimate letter reminding them of their purpose and also giving them news of what's happening while he's confined. He's giving them news to let them know, although I am in chains, the gospel is advancing. Which means that while he was on house arrest, a Roman soldier just might come in and be saved. A centurion just might come in and be saved. The people in the city might just hear the rumor of who's living in that house and who's confined in that house and secretly may come to the house to know who Jesus is. You see, you may misunderestimate what God is doing in your life right now, not knowing that God is allowing your confinement to bring freedom to someone else. And that's what we want to speak about today. See, Psalms 91 verse 16 tells us, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, satisfaction is about being content. It's about being in a place where it doesn't matter if you have a lot, it doesn't matter if you have a little, you are okay. You are in a stable ground. We live in a world that defines uh, uh, prosperity as as possessions and things that you may own. But you see, prosperity has nothing to do with money. Prosperity has everything to do with a mindset. Let me say that again. Prosperity doesn't have anything to do with what sits on your driveway or what sits in your house. Prosperity has to do with how do you think? Do you think in lack or do you think in abundance? Because if you think in abundance, you may not have it all, but you know you have what you need. And as long as you know you have what you need, you're going to move forward to the next place and the next season in your life. Because you know who you have and his name is Jesus. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York and, and we had neighbors and when we would run out of tomato sauce, all we had to do was knock on the door next to us and there was tomato sauce. And if they didn't have tomato sauce, they could always knock on our door and we would give them tomato sauce. And when the tomato sauce would finish, we had ketchup and ketchup with spaghetti would be all right. You see, because at the end, poverty is a mindset. And as a child, I never knew I was poor. Because I knew that mom and dad would always bring what we needed for the day. Even if it was just a beef patty. 
even with just some white rice with a, with a fried egg and a good slice of Spam. I'm going to make some people hungry today. So that's important for us today. Because I'm going to read, and you, I want you to read with me out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. If you could follow with me and mark your Bible and read it in your downtime this week. It says like this, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, listen to this, I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We hear that verse so often, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We hear that verse before the football game. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We put it and mark it on our face. We put it on a t-shirt. We put it on a wristband. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. We see it before a boxing fight. We see it before a football game. We see it before a great event. We see it before you take your exam. You declare it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's the thing. That verse is not a magic verse that makes things happen out of nowhere. It's been misquoted so many times because we use it before we go into something. Paul did not say it before he went into something. Paul said it after he went through something. And if we could learn that once we go through the process, it's not my strength that did it. It's his strength in me that allowed me to get through it. We'll learn a valuable lesson from Paul today because we'll learn that when he had plenty, he still had God. When he had lack, he still had God. And as long as he had God, he was content to know God's got everything under control. So I want to give you some secrets to satisfaction. Number one, remember to rejoice. Remember to rejoice. In our Christian life, sometimes we can walk around with a lemon sour face. In fact, if you grew up in church like I did, my dad was a pastor, and many of the ministers would sit up on the altar, like we called it back then, the altar, the stage, the platform, and they would have this sour face. And I thought that the sour face was a sign of spirituality. In other words, the more the, the face was sour, the more they were with God. Right? They would just sit there like this. And I would look as a child and say, he is connected to God. <laughs> the meaner the praise, the greater the worshiper. Right? You know, nobody smiled when I was growing up when they were preaching. In fact, when I first started preaching, people would say, look at him, he smiles so much. Why is he smiling so much? Because if you have the joy of the Lord, it's your strength. Amen. Amen? Which means you and I as believers should not be sour. We should be full of the joy of the Lord. We should be the happiest people on earth. Disney's not the happiest place on earth. The church should be the happiest place on earth. Because you know who you have. You have Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. So today I want to tell you, remember to rejoice. The Apostle Paul had gone through some tough seasons and also seasons of great triumph. 
He is now in prison and he's writing this letter to the churches and he still finds strength in God to encourage others. While he's going through this, he still finds the strength in God to encourage someone else. If you're not careful, when you're going through tough moments, you will, you will self-preserve yourself and, and become a hermit to your problems. God doesn't want you to become a hermit to your problems. God doesn't want you to hide like a turtle. God wants you to expose what's going on in your life. Because when you can expose your wounds, you're letting people know, I may have been wounded, I may have been hurt, hallelujah, but God is with me. And because he's with me, I'll be out of this in no time. Life is full of setbacks. How many are going through setbacks even in this season? Where the moment you start moving forward, something just pushes you right back. It's like Castaway, the movie Castaway, when Tom Hanks is trying to get back home. And every time he gets on that little raft that he made, he starts taking off and he just can't cross that big wave. And it pushes you back in life. Sometimes you'll face big waves in life that push you back and set you back. And you could consider that as punishment of the enemy or even punishment from God. Can I tell you that every setback is a setup for God to do something amazing in your life. God is going to make ministry out of your mess. Your story is going to become somebody's history. Somebody's destiny is going to come out of what you've gone through. The fact that Paul is in prison and he's writing with contentment, he's writing with satisfaction is because he can look back at everything he's gone through and he could say God allowed it and because he allowed it, I grew through it. And because I'm growing through it, let me share it with others so they can grow too. Some of us have children in our home that need to know our story. Some of us have family members that need to know how we got to know who Jesus is. Some of us have wounds that we've gone through that other people need to know so that they can come out of it as well. You see, I don't have a crazy testimony. I grew up in church. But as I was growing up, I would covet other people's testimony because sometimes the greatest testimonies that were shared was the ones of those that came out of drugs or those that came out of some kind of big criminal uh, life sentence. And I would look at those testimonies and I would say, I want that. God, give me a testimony as dramatic as his. And not knowing that God, I was a second and third generation, third generation on my mom's side, second generation on my dad's side, Christian. My dad went through it so I didn't have to go through it. Oh, I wish I had time to explain that. You see, my dad was saved at 18 years old. He was a drug addict. He would smoke three or four packs of cigarettes a day. And one day somebody was preaching at a park in the Bronx, New York. He heard the message of Jesus Christ. He was saved. In two years he had finished seminary and he was preaching the word of God. And he was pastoring in Brooklyn, New York. You see, the curse on him was broken so that I would never have to go through the curse. So young people that are here, you don't need a great testimony. The greatest testimony you'll have is that you were saved in church and you never had to experience the world. God wants you to live a life of satisfaction. Sometimes the setbacks have to do with job loss. Sometimes the setbacks have to do with family problems. Sometimes the setbacks have to do with financial struggle. And we look at the Jones and we say, I wish we were more like the Jones. And sometimes we look at somebody else's husband and we say, why can't you be more like Bob? That's the worst thing you could tell your husband. Not everybody could wear a purple shirt. <laughs> Only Bob Alfred can. <laughs> why can't you be more like Jill? Right? 
Why can't we be more like this family or that family? Why can't we live on this side of town? Why can't we drive this kind of car? God doesn't want you to desire somebody else's sacrifice. Because what we see in the public is what they've been able to endure in private. And sometimes we covet somebody else's harvest not knowing what they sowed. You can't desire somebody else's watermelons if you ate yours. <laughs> How many grew up? Let me tell you what my mom would do to me. This isn't even in the sermon. My mom would tell me, don't eat the seeds because you're going to grow a watermelon, watermelon tree in your stomach. <laughs> and I believed it. And I, one time I ate a seed, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Then I found out it wasn't true. Now I eat seedless watermelons. Thank God, Publix. Um, so let me continue. <laughs> However your posture is right now, whether you have a lot or maybe you don't have much, I want to tell you you're about to go through a victorious comeback. I want to speak that over somebody else, somebody's life today. You're about to experience a victorious comeback. You don't know it yet, but God's setting you up for something great. You're being pulled back, hallelujah, for something that God's going to catapult you to. And you need to get ready because this is going to set you apart for something great. Somebody give the Lord a praise if you can. I love the book of Philippians. Because in the same chapter, a few verses before, Paul tells the people of Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. He emphasizes it two times because sometimes it's easy for us to forget to rejoice. And he comes and he tells them, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. And I just want to tell you Calvary Orlando, I just want to tell you Facebook world, I just want to tell you TV land, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. God wants you to live a life of joy. Because joy is the greatest mystery to Satan. Joy is the greatest mystery to Satan. Because how is it that he can plan against your life? I want to speak to some Job's in the house right now. How can he afflict you with sickness? How can he afflict your family? And you still say, though he slay me, yet will I bless him. How is it that you can still worship God and still be faithful in serving God after you've gone through it all? Sometimes you just got to say, like the psalmist, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will be sometimes in my mouth. Is that what your Bible says? Sometimes? Always in my mouth, which means I continually have his praise in my mouth. Notice it says his praise because the moment you think it's yours, you're robbing God of what belongs to him. And it's his praise that shall be continually in my mouth. Point number two. Refuse to retreat. Better yet said, refuse to resent. You know, life will put some things to happen in you that you will quickly become bitter in the process. Paul had all the reason to become bitter with what was happening in his life. He went from shipwreck to shipwreck. He was bit by a viper. He was re rejected by the apostles. 
He, he's being rejected from city to city because he was a change agent for God. God has made you a change agent. Wherever you go, you're, not, you're called to, to change the atmosphere. And when you are a change agent, you're going to have conflict. And Paul had all kinds of conflict in his life. And he, it was easy for him to resent what was going on in his life. But you got to refuse to resent that. you got to refuse to, to, to find yourself in a place of bitterness. Because it's easy to lean on negative things in our life. It's easier for you to remember what went wrong than to think about what's going right. Let me tell you, I am allergic to negative people. It gets, I start sneezing. I get hives. I start a rash. Because I am allergic to negative people. Negatives are meant to stay in the dark. If you know anything about film photography, negatives stay in the dark room because it's a place of process. Once it's been processed, then it can be exposed. And if you're not careful, you'll surround yourself with enough negative people that they will make you believe that you should stop where you are. And God never called you to, to stop where you are. God called you to keep moving forward. God called you to continue to progress forward. And sometimes negativity in our own minds holds us back from God's destiny that he's already planned for us. You ever been there where you do something and your mind begins to think and say, you just stop. It's not worth it. You failed once. You failed twice. Just, just don't even try it again. But let me tell you something. Failure will take you towards success. I learned how to ride my bike by falling. And why, why is it that as we grow up, we think that falling is something bad? Every fall is taking you forward to what God has already established for you. Because his grace will sustain you. And it's easy for us to resent the things that are happening in our life. And God wants us to foster a mentality of positivity. A, a mentality that God is in control. A mentality that all things are working for the good of those that love him. And it's working out for you too. So you got to change how you think. Wake up in the morning with a positive thought. And if you can't remember to be positive, take your wife's lipstick man and just write on the mirror, you are a powerful man or woman of God. And as you brush your teeth, just continue to say it. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. I am a powerful man of God. I am a powerful woman of God. And as you brush and as you put the mouthwash in your mouth, you're going to come out of that bathroom like a champion because that's what God called you to be. It's, it seems like you don't believe it. I want to tell you again, God's called you to be a champion because you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. He's giving you the victory, hallelujah, through Christ Jesus. And this is where Philippians 4, Paul continues. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Which means you got to put away other thoughts. You see, if it's a lie, forget about it. I'm sticking with truth. If it's dishonorable, forget about it. I'm sticking with what's noble. If it's mediocre, forget about it. 
I'm sticking with excellence and with what's praiseworthy. Tell somebody, forget about it. When you get that phone call and they start with negativity, tell them, hey, I'm forgetting about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Talk to the hand. I'm hanging up. I don't have any time to go into this conversation. Because negativity is contagious. But so is praise. So is worship. And if you could change the negativity in your life and you could live a life of worship, you're going to see that things are going to work out in your favor. So Psalms 121 tells us this, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Sometimes you just got to take yourself from looking down at what's happening on the ground in your life and you need to start looking up because it's where your help comes from. You got to look at things through the view and through the eyesight of an eagle and stop thinking like a pigeon and stop thinking like a chicken. You were made to soar. You were made to fly. So start looking at the skies and look at what God has already destined for you to accomplish. Somebody give praise in the house of God today if you believe it. Tell somebody, I'm not a chicken. I'm an eagle. Do you know the story of the chicken and the eagle? Maybe you don't. I mean, let me tell you this quick story. One day, there was this eagle that had its nest up on a tree. And, and, and its nest had many eggs. But one egg was hanging on the side of the nest and ended up falling into the nest of a chicken that was lowered in the ground on the bottom close to this tree. This egg was now a lot bigger than the rest of the eggs that the chicken had laid. But the chicken sat, the hen sat on top of the nest anyway and sat on top of the eggs anyway. And although she was lopsided, she says, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to sit on it anyway. But all of a sudden, the eggs began to hatch. And then this bigger egg began to hatch. And all the little, little chicks were small and yellow. But this chick was big and a little darker. And, and, and as this, big, this eaglet started looking at the other chicks, the other chicks would peck on the ground. And the eaglet began to peck on the ground. And the, the little chicks would go to another side and would peck on the ground. And the eaglet would go and follow and peck on the ground. Until one day, the eaglet heard a sound in the sky and looked at what was up there. And there was a, a, a bird that its wingspan was large and its beak was expanded. And he started looking at himself and said, my wings look like his wings. My beak looks like his beak. And he started to flap and flap and flap. And he began to fly because what he saw was an image of who he was called to be. Can I tell you, church, you look like Christ. You are to be like Christ. And because of that, you live a life of victory. Stop looking down on the ground and start looking up to heaven to what God has established for you. Sometimes us as believers think more like heathens. We got to think with the mind of Christ. So look up today and keep your mind right. Lastly, stick with the source. Stick with the source. Paul found a secret in satisfaction. It wasn't in what he had or what he didn't have. It wasn't who he had. Let me say that again. It wasn't in what he had. It wasn't in what he didn't have. It wasn't who he had. And as long as he knew who he had, he was able to continue to expand the gospel. He was able to encourage the church from a place of physical lack 
because he was connected to the source that had no lack. See, you may be going through a tough season right now where you look into the pantry and there's not much or you look into the refrigerator and there's not much, but you serve a God that's more than enough. And if you're willing to cry out to Jehovah Jireh, your provider, within no time, you'll get a bag of groceries right at your front door, not because I heard it, but I saw it in my own life. My parents as preachers and ministers were praying for people for provision and we were sometimes going through the toughest moments in our own life. But all of a sudden somebody would knock on the door or the buzzer and we would open that door and there was a bag of groceries because God always finds a way to provide. If he takes care of the sparrow, you better be sure he's going to take care of you. So you got to stick with the source. Stick with the source. He writes one of his most encouraging verses that we all know very well and I shared it before. On the backdrop of one of his toughest ministry moments. It's in our weakest moments where God will show his strength and give you a confidence in him. See, we find confidence and satisfaction of who Christ is in our life. Confidence doesn't come with the car you drive. Confidence doesn't come with where you live. Confidence comes in who you believe. It's in who you have. I was talking to my older son this week that's working, installing windows. And I said, you know, you started as an apprentice and you, you have this toolbox. And I said, now you work with this guy that's well uh, known with what he does, right? He, he, he's well experienced in what he does. And, and he has, I said, does he have a big toolbox? He said, dad, he has a huge toolbox. Like it sits in the back of his truck. I said, so if you're trying to put the window in and you can't get it, do you call out to him and say, hey, can you help me? And, he's, and he says, yeah, he comes right away and he just gets the window, he puts it in, and no problem. I said, so you're telling me he has confidence in what he does? I said, yeah, he has total confidence in what he does. I said, you know why he has confidence in what he does? Because he knows the tools that he has. He knows the tools and he knows the experience that he has. You see, it's important that we know this. God is giving you the tools right now in this wilderness you're going through. God is filling your toolbox with what you need so that when somebody else is in need, you can pull out what you've gone through to help somebody else. That's what it's all about. That's what life is all about. And that's why he was able to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because he knew how to live in lack. He knew how to live in plenty. And because of that, now he can live and he can speak out and encourage others to live out their life. I could just imagine Paul. Bob, can you bring that over? I could just imagine Paul in this place of house arrest. The Bible tells us that he was in chains. And when you think about chains, the first thing you think about is what? Confinement. Payback. Payback. <laughs> Make fun of my purple shirt. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. When you think about confinement, you're thinking about limitation. He was in a place of physical limitation. They may have chained his hands. They may have chained his body. But once again, did not chain his mouth. And even in a place of confinement, even in a place of chains, he is still bringing out change. I need to say that once again. Even though he was in chains, he is still bringing out change for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You see, do not allow your physical limitations to hold you back from what God has placed in you eternally. You are a leader in your society. You are a leader in your home. You are a leader in your job. And even though you may feel like you're set back and you are being confined, be reminded today, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free in Christ. You are called to be free, and you can do it because you have him in your life. Somebody give him praise in this place today. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 verse 14 says, Because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident to proclaim the gospel. I love that. Because of my chains, my brothers and sisters have become confident to proclaim the gospel. I want to tell you today, God wants you to live a life of, of satisfaction, a life of abundance, a life to be content. You may not have what you want, but you have what you need. And I want to tell you this, work with what you have until you get what you want. Nothing wrong with desiring good things. There's nothing wrong with going after the master's degree. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. But enjoy the one you have. Enjoy the one you're working with. There's nothing wrong with desiring more. As long as your desire falls into the will of God. Because sometimes we'll get things and the moment we get them we forget about the one that gave it. And God says, because I know your heart, I can't give you more. Because if I give you more, you'll forget about me. So in the meantime, enjoy what I've given you. And be content in it because it's all you need for right now. So today I encourage you, church. Don't covet what somebody else has. You have everything you need. Don't covet somebody else's praise. Don't covet somebody else's possessions. Live satisfied with what God's given you. And while this is a message for the believer, I want to tell somebody that may be visiting today and may be hearing this message and you may not know Christ, I want to tell you, you are living in lack because you don't have the eternal God living in you. But today's a great day for you to know him. Today's a good day to live a satisfied life because he will give you everything you need. See, we all are eternal beings, but... Where you go is determined with the decision you make today. Will you live with Christ? Will you live in the abundance that he wants to give you? Will you remember to rejoice? Will you refuse to resent? Will you live knowing who your source is? Because if you're willing to do that, you have attained the secret to satisfaction. And when you have that, you can live a life of abundance in Christ. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.